This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today, my guest on Off the Shelf is Alan Thomas. Alan is the Chief Operating Officer at IntelliBridge, uh, former FAS Commissioner, um, Alan, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, thanks for coming. Great to be back, Roger. Good to virtually see you again. Yeah, it's yes, it's we're still in that virtual world. Hopefully, we'll get back to the studio someday, and I can invite you in. That, that's always fun to do as well. So, but it is good to see you. It's been a while. So, um, and today we're going to cover a bunch of different topics, Alan. But I, I think maybe we'll start first with obviously something near and dear to both our hearts. Uh, that's GSA and the Federal Acquisition Service. And, you know, I think it'd be great to have a conversation just about GSA's overarching approach to interagency contracting schedules, you know, Alliant. Now they've got Polaris, the small business replacement for Alliant small business and the Astro. And of course, BICMAC, um, which is, you know, just getting off the ground in terms of looking at what it should or shouldn't be um, as a replacement or the follow-on, excuse me, to o- Oasis out in 2024, which actually is right around the corner there. But um, so let's start with just Big Mac and, you know, your observations today and, w- and what you're seeing and, and what you're hearing. Sure. Well, they certainly are starting early uh, with Big Mac, as you as you say, right? But I think I think that's good, right? I think more kind of more engagement with industry and with customers is good. Certainly been impressed with what I've seen so far in terms of the strategy and the amount of engagement that the team uh, at GSA has had. I actually had a little email exchange with the with the PM who's kind of running the show there for um, uh, for Big Mac. And so I ex- expect to see a lot more engagement, right? And then to continue with that theme, which again is is good and kind of a hallmark for how GSA does business. I actually wish other agencies would have that sort of in, uh, engagement strategy as well, right? Uh, especially this early in the procurement process. So to me, when I sort of step back from Big Mac, right? Or the follow on to a waste, you know, whatever they're doing there is to think kind of more broadly, I, and I hadn't thought about it for a little while because I haven't been in that chair, but hey, how does it fit with the other offerings? And they essentially are offerings, right? The other vehicle, contract vehicle offerings that GSA has. How does it fit with schedules? How does it fit with Alliant and Polaris? Uh, how does it fit with, uh, you know, with Astro, right? Which is something that's gotten some attention out in the, uh, in the trade press. And I, you know, and from my perspective, it would be interesting to hear. We've heard from the sort of individual um, you know, category leads, right? So Tiffany Hickson and her team talk about Vic McLaura Stanton and her team talking about Polaris, the FedSim team talking about uh, Astro, right? I haven't actually heard from somebody who's, who, you know, is kind of a level up where all those folks ultimately report into about, we hear where Stephanie Shutt talk about schedules, right? Right, we, right? we need to hear from somebody maybe at some point kind of a level up about how does all that fit together? So when you go to a customer like the Air Force or like the Department of Health and Human Services and talk about your portfolio of acquisition solutions, you know, how does that all fit together? How are they priced? Where are they targeted? What should contracting shop be thinking about in terms of how they, how they use those things? 
I mean, there's obviously time to do it. And there's a new team, right, that's just sort of gotten on the ground there at GSA, right? And it's sort of, you know, Sonny Hashmi and his team, right, sort of getting settled in and they've got a new administrator, right? So I'm, I'm sure it will all come together. It, it'll be it'll be fascinating for me to kind of to, to sort of hear what, what they're thinking about in terms of a strategy for how all those offerings paint a holistic picture for, for an agency. Yeah, based on your experience when you're a commissioner, it's, I mean, I think you're touching on, an, I mean, the critical point. It's like, what's the overarching strategy in going to market? You know, and GSA is really goes to a market, like you said, with offerings. And it just seems to me that the different vehicles offer different things. And that's part of the strength of GSA. You have thoughts on that? I do. Yeah. I, look, I think uh, you know, there should be a series of uh, circles, right? Kind of event, a Venn diagram where there's a little bit of overlap between vehicles. Like that's not bad. I, you don't want too much overlap. That's, you know, that's just pure duplication. The key in managing that overlap is to make sure that the teams within GSA are talking to each other, right? So I, you know, I was uh, fairly militant about, hey, I don't want somebody from the Alliant program office out talking to a customer and then, and, you know, offering a cut rate deal to put some volume through the contract vehicle. And then, you know, two weeks later, somebody from the Oasis team goes out and talks to a customer, right? And because there's some overlap there in those requirements, right? And, and they offer an even better cut rate deal to that. It's like, hey, we're, you know, we, thou shalt not sell against thyself, right? Like right, we, right. we should go, <laughs> you know, and customers don't like that either. It's like, hey, you're from GSA. Oh yeah. Have you talked to the, you know, folks who were in here two weeks ago? You know, if the answer is no, that's a, in my mind, that's a bad answer. So I, you know, there's, there, are, there are some internal mechanisms they have there at GSA to make sure all that is coordinated, but it's important now, right, to be thinking through that how, how, and how those things fit together so that you set the right kind of expectations, both with your customers, but also internally with the teams at GSA. Right. I imagine, you know, and I know you've been, you know, in those, in the room and in the planning phases, but I, I can imagine it's, you know, in trying to think about, you know, a follow on to a program, let's just take Oasis, because that's the one everybody's talking about right now with, you know, that did a $10 billion in mission support last year for customer agencies, and then the professional services schedules sort of portion did another about 10 billion, maybe even a little bit more. So you've got, you know, mm-hmm. that's a 50-50 split there and how, and thinking about that going to market and what the future looks like um, when you have those two different models. I mean, that, that must be, you know, a real, you know, exercise, you know, just the business planning and, you know, trying to get the market intelligence to figure it out. It must just be, um, you know, a big challenge. It's a, it, it, it's a challenge. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said it's, you know, you've got to, you've got to make sure people are talking to each other. It really does take some, some kind of leadership, right? Cause folks will, you know, people tend to pursue sort of their own, uh, their, their own interests, if you will. Right. So if you're running a category or running the schedules program, you know, you're generally thinking, how do I optimize my category or how do I optimize the schedules program? And, you know, there's, there's somebody above that, right. Who's thinking more about how all this fits together in an optimal way. You know, the, the follow-on question to Oasis is an interesting one. I mean, I've been reading some of the things you've been writing, you know, and it's, uh, uh, I commend the team for, um, for taking a pretty broad approach and thinking about some new things, right, in innovating, right? I think, I, I like that, right? I think it's putting pressure on some of the other, you know, uh, the NITACs of the world, right, to think about what, what, what they're doing to make sure they're offering something that meets the needs of the market. 
But, you know, there's also some risk in that, right? Is that, hey, you've got a successful program in Oasis. You know, do you take what I would call the Hollywood approach, right? Which is you have a blockbuster movie. What do you do for the second one? Well, you don't stray too far from the first one, right? Because you, you know, because you, because you'll probably generate about the same amount of ticket sales, maybe, maybe a little bit more, right? Sometimes if you stray too far from the first one, people say, ah, I'm, you know, the second one wasn't as good, right? It was, you know, right, I, right, I, right. I, miss, I miss the old one. You know, there, there is a little bit of danger there or risk, uh, but, but I like, I do like the fact that they've taken, you know, that they seem like they're pretty open to trying some, uh, some new things and, and trying to be a little bit, a little bit innovative, right? Who says procurement people can't be innovative? Right. And after Alan, you know, when you, you, you use that, you know, sequel analogy, like I'm just thinking Godfather and then Godfather two. Right. And yeah, the Godfather is like just the greatest movie ever. Right. But Godfather two is good, but it's not quite as good. Right. In my view anyway, or, or I think of Avengers, I don't know. So, uh, which I love too. So. (laughs) No, I like, I like, I like the Godfather analogy. You know, I use sleep with the fishes all the time. So I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too that looking at what GSA and FAS is doing. So in the, on the IT side, they have Alliant, um, and now they're trying to replicate Alliant Small Business with Polaris in a certain sense, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this split program, uh, which I think promotes both small businesses and provides different choices offerings, right? You know, right. Oasis, the Big Mac is looking at. Um, putting together and that's so it's like GSA is doing one thing on one side and then another thing on another that that go, speaks to your point about what's the overarching strategy that's right how does this all fit together right again because you've got you know you, you don't want individual categories optimizing for themselves right you want kind of overall set of solutions that are that are optimal and that work for customers right I mean, look, you could say the, you know, the Big Mac, and I think you know, you've, you've touched on this. Others have, hey, the Big Mac strategy, as they're kind of laying it out now, feels feels a lot like schedules, right? Like kind of always open, you know, lots and lots of vendors. I listened to the, uh, I, I wasn't able to attend the Big Mac Industry Day live, but I, I listened to a recording of it, you know, and I heard some of the sort of some of the differences, you know, hey, schedules is like a starter program. You get on there, you prove yourself, and then you know, and you can kind of, you know, move up to something like Big Macs, like, mm, you know, m- maybe, right? It, to me, it would be a lot more convincing if Tiffany Hickson and uh, Stephanie Shutt and, uh, you know, Sonny, right, had all, had all, you know, if, if they were at a conference and they all were sort of singing kum- Kumbaya on that, right? Um, and maybe, and m- maybe they'll get there, right? Because again, as we've said, it's pretty early on and they're wide open to lots of ideas, but again, it just sort of gets back to the, hey, how, how does all this fit together. GSA put a lot of effort into schedules consolidation, right? And some rationalization right. there. You do, you wouldn't, you would think you wouldn't kind of do that to then starve that program of some of the, some of the dollars that are, that are going through it now. Right. right. You, you, right. You want to, again, you want to make sure these things, sure, make sure these things are complementary. Right. And Alan, we're up on the break when we come back. That's might be a good place to pick up, talk a little bit about schedules consolidation. And just because a lot, most of it was done during your watch there. Um, talk, uh, and then we can turn to COs, the Civilian Enterprise Office Solutions, and then maybe a little e-commerce at the end of the next segment, if we can get to that, just to, to just where it is right now, and you know, from your perspective. So, my guest today is Alan Thomas. He is the Chief Operating Officer for IntelliBridge. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Alan Thomas. Alan is the Chief Operating Officer for IntelliBridge. 
former commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service. Uh, and Alan, um, you know, when we took the break, uh, we were talking, we had been the first segment, we talked a lot about GSA's uh, contract offerings and and you mentioned schedules and the consolidation effort towards the end of that segment. I just want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about since you were there through the, you know, I guess I'd say 90% of the accomplishment of consolidation, just, you know, the thinking behind it and how, how you see it, you know, positioning the schedules and FAS moving forward. Yeah. So it was uh, for me really gratifying to see the team sort of, you know, run, run through the tape, right. There's still a bit to be done, right. But they're, they are mostly done and just a really impressive work by Stephanie Shutt and the, and the program management office there. I mean, the, you know, the vision behind it and look, I, I was lucky, right. I mean, I had a, a great boss at GSA, Emily Murphy, who knew a lot and cared a lot about acquisition. And so, um, you know, this, this, idea around consolidating the schedules, right, had, you know, support and understanding at the at the top of the organization, which is always good. I mean, really, you, know, you think about the schedules program, it's a it's a one of the Federal Acquisition Services flagship offerings. Been around for what, 40 plus years, something, something like that. Uh, and it had undergone changes over time, but really it hadn't, you know, it had, it had been a while, right, since it had yeah. really gotten a, a refresh, right? And so this, in some sense, was a major refresh or an overhaul, if you will, um, you know, a little bit of administrative savings from an industry standpoint, right, to, uh, to reduce burden on them in terms of having to maintain multiple schedules. I think helped clear up some confusion from a customer standpoint, right, about do I, you know, hey, I want some product and some service, right? I really want right, a solution, right. like, or, you know, do I, which schedule do I go to, by the way, these, you know, this is schedule 84 or 51 V or, you know, right. they like, so sort of a kind of a confusing way to think about it. So let's get it aligned under the government wide category structure, make, make sense, right. Bring things together so people can buy solutions and reduce burden on industry. Those three were the sort of the big drivers behind why do schedule consolidation. And then I think it helps, you know, kind of remind people and elevate the program again. Hey, this is a program where, you know, every year more than $30 billion worth of federal spending goes through the schedules, right? It's important. Um, GSA is paying attention to it. We're, you know, re- refreshing it, modernizing it, making it better for our industry partners and, and better for, um, you know, for, for GSA's customers in, in government. So that was nothing really more complex than that in terms of what are the drivers around, around tackling it. Of course, then once you, you know, once you say that at the top level, hey, that's great. Then there's all sorts of you know, there's all sorts of complexity right. uh, when, when you get into it. And again, that's why that, that group is to be commended for the, uh, for the, for the good work they've done, right? Because they, you know, they, they sort of handle all those complex issues. And you know, from what I, now I'm on the industry side, right? And I, and I you know, every once in a while, I'll get the email from the multiple word schedule PMO. Like they, I mean, they've done a really good job, right? I mean, in our, you know, our contracts folks say, hey, things have been smooth and and uh, and handled well and that's my that's my sort of sense uh across industry right that people are pretty pleased with how it's how it's going right it's um yeah i think it's it's uh should position the schedules well moving forward just that consolidation the ability to offer solutions approaches to your point and you made that point very well about you know products and services together and that sort of thing where you know, G, G, uh, GSA and FAS, and I was part of it when I was there, right, was stovepiping itself because, you know, you got, you know, 24, 26, when I was there, 39 different schedules, 
you know, and, and so, oh, you can get this off this one. I mean, it just confused the customer. So um, to your point, and, and I know something you're very interested in as well, that's sort of offshoot of that. It's like the civilian enterprise office solution, COS. Um, it's a program that I take a lot of interest in. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So you, you might remember uh, that uh, GSA helped uh, the Department of Defense yes. and DISA put in place the DOS uh, program, right. Right? Defense Enterprise Office Solutions. Similar sort of uh, OMB kind of picked up on that when Suzette Kent was a federal CIO, right? So, hey, that's, you know, that's a good idea. We ought to do something similar on the, on the civilian side. You know, there's a little more complexity on the civilian side, or you're not going to drive every civilian agency to a single, you know, to kind of a single platform. Um, but you can do a lot in terms of uh, driving some standardization, improving security, which is a huge issue, right? I mean, think about the yeah. SolarWinds hack and the, you know, the, the uh, issues with Microsoft Exchange Server and that, and that sort of thing, um, and really improving the capability for remote work, which, by the way, you know, is, is, is likely here to stay, right? I mean, it wasn't when we were first talking about CS. I shouldn't say that. People were certainly working remotely, right? GSA, great, great example of an agency, but I think many more agencies are going to work remotely now for a lot more of the time, right? Yes. Um, no question about so, that. Yeah. No question, right? So this, you know, there, there was a sort of idea around CEOs. I've heard it's still got some traction within OMB. You know, it feels like the kind of thing that kind of OMB ideas, it puts some, you know, cloud smart and some of those things actually into, into practice because you can actually then put a contract vehicle in place to drive some of those, some of those standards that you, uh, that, that you want to drive feels like the kind of thing that, you know, GSA could potentially pick up on and bring to market and, uh, and have, you know, a pretty, pretty successful offering. You could, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways you could do it. There's a lot of smart people there at GSA who know way more about it than I do. Right. I mean, you could, you know, you could kind of do a big, a big VPA off of schedule, right. Is one, is one, one, one simple way to do it. And it would drive a little bit of competition into that market also. Right. I mean, you've got, you know, if you think about it, everyone thinks about, hey, you've got Microsoft, Microsoft Office. Yep, no, heard, heard of them. Uh, you got Google with Workspace, right? The old G Suite, but now they've rebranded as Workspace. But then there's a lot of, there's actually more innovation in that space than you think with Zoom, Slack, right? Some some of yep. those things now. There's a lot there, again, particularly around how much people are going to be working remotely. Um, you know, it could be could be kind of an exciting area uh, to have a, to have an offering that, that again, drives some standardization and, uh, and does some, some good things with respect to security. Right. So, well, the DOS model was BPAs off the schedule, if I recall correctly, right? That's correct. They're, you know, they're driving for one solution across right. DOD essentially, right. Right? Yeah. you know, in civilian, there wouldn't be one civilian solution, right? Hey, you might have one solution for department of agriculture, one for department of energy, right? One for HHS, um, you know, and even there, if you know anything about the civilian agencies, right, just it, it sometimes is <laughs> a struggle to get standardization, you know, go to commerce or somewhere like that, right? It's, hey, it's right. tough, tough to get the tough to get the bureau standardized, the, you know. <laughs> well, it's tough but, to get the uh, DOD to standardize, right? So parochial, right? You know, I, I'm in the Navy, you know, I'm not, <laughs> the Air Force, <laughs> Are they on our side? You know, I'm just kidding, but, um, but there's, you know, there's, there is parochialism there. Like uh, it, it, it just, it's just part of, you know, big organizations, I think. So, sure. Uh, sure. Um, so we got about a minute left and I, I did want to touch on um, 
another topic, you know, and, and we can t- talk a little bit more uh, maybe at the beginning of the next segment too. And that's e-commerce. I mean, another thing that was accomplished during your tenure at uh, GSA was um, the award of the, uh, you know, e-commerce pilot contracts um, last year um, after, you know, a, you know, a long, you know, open dialogue with, you know, with, with all stakeholders and in industry, other government customers, that sort of thing. You know, what's your sense of where, where it is right now? Well, it's been, it's been a little quiet. I will say it was, that was the actual pilot award was done uh, under, under uh, my successor, Julie Dunn, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. No, no, it's good. But I was there for a lot of the listening and the right, thinking right, through right. I'm sorry. And, you yeah. know, but absolutely. Julie, Julie and her, and the team there brought, definitely brought that one across the finish line. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a big, a good accomplishment to get it done. I will tell you the legislation actually made it in some ways a little bit more challenging to sort of put it together. Uh, but a good, a good accomplishment to get it done. It's been a little, you know, from my standpoint, been a little quiet, right? Like I, I think it would be, you know, I know they made some awards. There's been some volume that's gone, you know, gone through that channel. And uh, I think, you know, it'd be great to see GSA put some uh, results out, put some data out uh, on that to give folks, uh, sense for, you know, for how it's gone. It was a pilot, right? So there's no, you know, whether they think it's gone well or it hasn't gone well, or, you know, who, who, somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, hey, that, that's why you do pilots is to learn, is to learn things. And I know given the amount of interest that there was in the topic before the pilots were, uh, you know, were established, those contracts were let, I certainly know people are kind of waiting for, how, you know, how, how's it going, right? And so I think right, that's, sure. um, you know, we, I, you know, I, so I'm, I'm like, I'm probably like you in that standpoint. I'm like, I'm, I'm interested to know. Yes. And I uh, don't see any reason why you wouldn't, you know, why you wouldn't come out and share, share a little information about it. Right. So, well, you know, Alan, we're right up on the break. So uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll start talking a little bit about technology modernization. I know that's, you know, another issue you're, or opportunity you're really interested in, in terms of, you know, improving government operations through, you know, through the access to the commercial market, quite frankly. Uh, my guest today is Alan Thomas. Alan is Chief Operating Officer at IntelliBridge. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Alan Thomas. Alan is Chief Operating Officer for IntelliBridge, uh, former FAS Commissioner. And, um, you know, Alan, another area, and I know... I can remember one of the first times you talked to the coalition at one of our events, you talked about systems and you talked about trying like, what was it? F, 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 Federal acquisition service, like had 171 different, you know, discrete, you know, systems or, you know, um, or Good memory. Right? Oh Good yeah. Memory. I mean, um, so, and one of your priorities was trying to work on, you know, coming to a rational number, I guess. Um, but part of that is like, you know, that's thinking strategically and modernization is a big part of that. And I know that's an area where you're focusing on what's going on in the market and, you know, and on the Hill and that sort of thing. So, you know, give us what, you know, let us know what you're seeing and hearing and um, where you think things are headed. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this, it's been really fascinating to see the new administration come in. I mean, a huge focus on modernization and you really see it in two, in two areas. One is obviously, around money, right? Money and budgets equal priorities. And so, you know, the, as part of the COVID relief package, uh, the, the Rescue Act, right? A billion dollars for the TMF, the Technology Modernization Fund, 
the so-called skinny budget, which I guess was skinny in terms of number of pages, but not so skinny in terms of the dollars included, uh, had a, had another five hundred another five hundred million dollars right for the TMF. So that's a you know it's a billion and a half dollars. Um, so you know again one area where you see the focus on modernization is around dollars and priorities. The second one is around the people. So think of, think about the people that they've you know that they're they're talking about bringing in uh, over in DoD Mike Brown right who used to uh, you know to run uh, Defense Digital DIUX right is the Undersecretary for Acquisition Sustainment. I mean that's a that's a big that's a big job. That's a really interesting choice for that job. The federal CIO, right? You know, has a U.S. Digital Services background, the CIO at OPM. The team that's at GSA, right? Someone like Sunny Hashmi, who's in my you know my old role there, right? Who's got a you know a, a very obviously strong technology background. Dave Zavinich to run uh, TTS. You know, those are um, the new administrator for GSA, right? Who also comes from yes, uh, TTS yeah. and sort of had a state and local focus, right? right. All all those sorts of um, appointments from a people perspective, you know, signal there's that there's going to be a big focus on uh, on on modernization, right? right. Uh, so it, it like super exciting time to be in there. I do, you know, with the focus, particularly the money. You know, I did. Somebody told me today, hey. Uh, Congress wrote a letter, Conley and Eleanor Holmes Norton, a few folks on OGR wrote a letter over to OMB, which said, uh, hey, can you give us a list of your priorities for that TMF money, right? right. So Congress, uh -huh. Congress giveth, but Congress also want to know what you're going to do with it, right? <laughs> right, right. So you could say, be careful what you wish for. I don't know. So, um, <laughs> right. yeah, well, with money comes oversight, right? Yeah, that's the, that's right. And that's, that's part right. of the as part of the, the process. Um, so you brought up an interesting um, note and, and, and I think, you know, to your point, Jim, the nominee uh, for the new administrator for GSA, Robin Carnahan, she has a real big background in, you know, state and local, um, you know, government, um, even in her time in GSA, I think she focused a lot on that. Yeah, do you, I mean, to me, that sends a signal GSA is going to be looking to, you know, expand and play a, a, an even more significant role out, you know, you know, nationwide in, in other areas than just its traditional sort of, it's always supported state and locals in certain areas, but could you see that, you know, looking to be expanded, whether it's statutorily down the road or just in the programs where it can currently? I think so. Given again, given what I know of her background, I don't I don't know her personally, right? But just what you read, it seems like with the existing authorities that GSA has in the programs, you know, you you would see a greater focus there. It's obviously an area she's very familiar with, uh, and I do know that there's some excitement among some of the teams at GSA, you know, who work uh, with with state and local customers about that, right? So that's great. Statutorily, you know that. Um, well, I, I would say re remains to be seen, right? It can it can be tougher to get things done statutorily, right? Right. Um, and uh, you know, I'm not not saying it's not not possible, but many times it's easier to simply take the existing authorities you have, put emphasis in terms of people and resources in maximizing sure. the authorities you have, and you can usually have a pretty uh, a pretty a pretty big impact, right? That that that'd be my guess in terms of where just kind of a macro perspective where where she goes first. Sometimes you do try and do something statutorily, you can kind of get bogged down, right? right. In a in a battle um, that maybe, you know, you'd rather focus your time and effort on actually going out there and serving those customers. And if you think about that, you know, that sort of TTS mission, that sort of, you know, citizen services kind of mission, look, 
a lot of what the federal government does is essentially funnel money to states to then deliver in some way, shape, or form, you know, to to interface with the with the citizen, right? So it it makes sense, right? Um, to uh, to try and make sure that those experiences are as are as good as they can be. Right. Yeah, one area that um, they could um, potentially take a look at that wouldn't be um, would be a relatively simple statutory change is just open the schedules completely up to state and local purchase right now, you know, as, as you know, the IT schedules open and, you know, there's certain purposes, whether it's like disaster recovery where state and locals can use, you know, but that's the specific purpose. Um, and then there, there's some law enforcement. So it's kind of a patchwork right now. And perhaps that's an mm-hmm. area where they could take a look at, uh, you know, you know, addressing. It would seem to be an easy, uh, I, I'm with you, seem to be an easy win right now. I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer, right? So there right. probably are some, there probably are some good counter arguments in there in terms of why, you know, why it is the way it is now, but, you know, maybe, maybe with, uh, maybe with the consolidation of the schedules that did that, that is something that, that would make sense, right? To potentially open it up to a little bit broader, a broad, broader set of, uh, customers so that they can, they can use the schedules. So, and one of the things that I know, um, you know, talking to you before the show that you mentioned is, um, you know, you know, that money and the oversight is, you know, that's all part of the, the, the process, but, um, you made a good point. It's like the critical success is how the CIOs, the CAOs and the CFOs work together, um, you know, in this vein to try to drive modernization from your experience. Just, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you talk about modernization, right, you've got to, you need contract vehicles and, and private industry, right, to help you. It's just the system we have set up to help you drive it. And then, of course, you need the resources to be aligned with it, right? So I always thought of the CIO, the CAO, and the CFO as a kind of troika, if you will, um, that, that you know, you've got to have those three organizations lined up and sort of rowing in the same direction uh, to make, um, you know, to make this work. And I actually think, you know, I mean, I've got a little bit of a biased view because I'm sort of an acquisition person at heart. Um, but, you know, I think the being able to get it on contract and compete it properly and, you know, define the requirements appropriately, uh, get, you know, get the right industrial base interested. I actually think that's, again, given the system that we have set up, I think that's actually the most uh, important piece of that, right? CIOs, uh, there's a strategy component to what they do, but man, a lot of CIOs get get sort of chewed up by the day to day, right? I mean, you're running a you know twenty thousand person agency, and there's a hack over here, and there's you know there's there's right. just kind of fires and issues, right? You just you know your job as a CIO ultimately is to you know kind of take care of all that every day, um, so the strategy piece becomes becomes harder. So kind of once you set it, then you've got to, you know, you get the resources lined up to the CFO's office, and then you rely on your acquisition folks to make sure that you've got it defined properly and you get the right help in from industry to realize your vision, right? That's, that's um, you know, seeing all those three kind of work together. You know, I think that the, the board, the TMF board is kind of interesting now when I look at the composition of it. It's from, from my perspective, it's a little CIO heavy, right? And then right. it would actually probably benefit from, uh, you know, when I sat on the board, you know, I had brought kind of an acquisition viewpoint to it. You know, there's a there's a security expert from DHS was Matt Hartman and I can't remember if he's still on it or not, you know, but it might you need you definitely need a good cadre of CIOs on there, but it might benefit from a couple of other 
uh, viewpoints. It'll be interesting to see how the new federal CIO, um, uh, you know, kind of if if she changes the composition of the board at all and how she how she puts it to use. Right. So yeah, that's and your point, you know, that there's that relationship between the CIO and the CAO, like the program right office that oper- operations office and the acquisition office at the end of the day, that's critical and having that right balance in place. Um, Cause you, you, one can't do it without the other, but yeah, but, and just how they communicate with, with each other, you know, seems to me has always been a challenge, at least in the federal space. I don't know about the commercial space, but. No, I, yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, it helps, you know, on the acquisition side, right? We would say, hey, you you need some technology savvy acquisition people, right? right. Who, who maybe they don't, you know, they're they're not as technology savvy as the folks in the CIO's office, but they're at least able to understand and kind of dance to the beat uh, that the that the CIO's office is laying down, if you will, right? Right. Um, so that you know that you, you've got to sort of line up the right the right sort of folks. It's, it's, there are a couple organizations in GSA. I mean, some of the assisted acquisition teams, FedSim, and you know, some of the assisted acquisition teams like out of Region 3 and Region 4 actually do a pretty good job of having some tech-savvy folks who know acquisition, but, but also know enough to kind of be dangerous over on a, in a technology conversation, right, which really helps uh, in terms of dealing with external customers and making sure that they, you know, they get the requirements right. Right. Absolutely. Alan, we're already up on the break. Uh, so when we come back, um, you know, we'll turn to another big challenge for the, you know, for, for the CIOs and for government generally, and that's uh, supply chain security and security generally, you know, and you mentioned the solar winds hack early in the show. Um, we'll just get your thoughts on that. My guest today is Alan Thomas. He is the chief operating officer at IntelliBridge. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Alan Thomas. Alan is the Chief Operating Officer at IntelliBridge, um, and he served as the Commissioner for the Federal Acquisition Service during the Trump administration and worked for Emily Murphy. And I have to, before we get back on the topic, so Alan, I think the first time I ever met you was back during the Bush administration and Emily was working at GSA at the time and I was working for her and you came in and um, you were in the private sector at that point and you were, you provided some consulting support or something like, you know, do, do you remember that? I remember that distinctly. I, I do. I was, I was with a little company called Booz Allen. That Booz Allen. Yes. Time. Yes. And we, and we were hired to do a, I was with an org, the org design practice. And we were hired to uh, figure out how to merge the federal supply service and the federal technology service into what became the federal acquisition service. And when I took the job as FAS commissioner, somebody said to me a, a wag in the hall one day said to me, you'd, you, you deserve to be commissioner, right? Because you were here when this thing was created, right? <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say, you you knew this was coming someday. So you were helping, <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, it, and back in the day, it was, um, I hate to say, it was almost like, you know, two warring tribes trying to negotiate, you know, the peace talks and like, you know, the shape of the table even, right? <laughs> it was, it was, uh, there, there was some tension, right? I mean, there are two proud organizations with yeah. different cultures, right? That were under the same umbrella of GSA, but had grown up in very different ways. And uh, yeah, it was fascinating, right? It was a, a, a really, really interesting project to be, to be part of. 
Right. So uh, sorry to digress, but I, I just had to share that. And this segment, we're going to talk about supply chain security. You mentioned earlier in the show, you know, again, the solar winds hack and just the imperative, the national security imperative, and it's both in the private sector and in government of, you know, protecting, you know, cybersecurity and supply chain security. And I just open it up with your thoughts of where things are and what, what you see happening. Sure. One of the most interesting things I think about this, again, taking sort of a step back, take the, take the big view is uh, there are a lot of areas where there's not much continuity between the Trump administration and the Biden administration. I would argue this is one area where there is a good bit of continuity, right? And some agreement on what needs to be done. Uh, it's been heartening to see the administration really come out uh, strongly, right, from an executive order standpoint. I'm sure we're going to see some additional things in legislation and just the, the kind of emphasis they put on supply chain security uh, is is great is great to see, right? I mean, it's right. it's an area that needs a lot of attention. In my mind, it's a, this area is a little bit like there are there are a lot of different individuals, groups, organizations doing good things in the federal government. It doesn't feel like it's particularly well quarterbacked from a strategic level, right? It feels like you know eleven there are eleven players on the field who are all running what they think is a great play and doing wanting to do the right thing, but it's not. It doesn't kind of all sync. It doesn't all, it doesn't all fit together. Uh, and you know when I was there, there was some legislation passed that created uh, a body chaired by the federal CISO, uh, Chief Information Information Security Officer over in OMB, called the Federal Acquisition Security Council. You know I was just sort of there for the startup of it. I was the GSA rep on it. I always felt like that had the promise of being something that could be a much more active player and help coordinate a lot of the great work that's going on across the government in this area. I haven't seen it to date really become what I would call an action oriented body. You know, I do still think that, that there's promise there. Right. But again, no, no shortage of, um, of good activity, good intentions and resources being thrown at this. And maybe some way, you know, it's sort of the American way, right. Is hey, you see a problem. What do you do? You throw resources and people at it and eventually it gets solved. It might be a little messy, but eventually right. it gets solved. Yeah, that's kind of the nature of uh, government, right? There's to say it's messy, you know, and eventually, but eventually, to, to, in my view, it seems to work out um, okay. My sense is that there's an opportunity with the income, you know, with the new administration, you know, to take a, you know, step back and sort of, you know, take a look at the field, you know, take a step back and look at the field, maybe from the, you know, from the, the clubhouse or, you know, the press box to, you know, just see how it's all laid out and then Mm -hmm. move forward. Um, Does your sense that, you know, that that's an approach they'll, they'll likely take? I think they may, you know, I think the hard thing in this area is when you have, and we, we talked about in the first segment, I just mentioned a little bit, you know, something like the solar winds hack, right. Something very, you know, very significant like that affects, uh, lots of agencies. It's a it's a problem that has to be solved now. Right. Right. It's not a you know. Oh, let's let's step back and study the problem. No. Right. You you can't do it with something like that. You've got to as best you can fix it. The challenge is: is there somebody, or do you ever have the the time and the the breathing space to really step back and think about what everyone's doing and how you know and how it all fits together, or are you just just so overwhelmed with? kind of current activities, fires, you know, the DOD would say five meter targets, right? That you don't ever have it, you're there to have your chance to pick your head up and look, right. look on, on the horizon, right? Uh, and that's the danger. 
my sense is, you know, lots of smart people in the administration. And my sense is that you know, there's, there's somebody thinking a little bit longer term uh, about how, how all these things work together while lots of people are fighting, you know, fighting the fires that are, that are popping up every day. Right. And it's, you know, exactly what you said, uh, you know, our observation with regard to the CIO and their roles and, you know, the role of, you know, dealing with the day-to-day operations at the same time, trying to think, you know, long-term and strategically where, you know, operations are going to go to support, you know, mission, the, the IT operations to support mission. Yeah, it's that's age old quandary, about, you know, the challenge of management and leadership, right? At the end of the day. That's right. I mean, it's the, it's where does the individual spend their time, but also where, where do you spend your resources, right? I mean, the more money you have to spend sort of, you know, fixing, patching, right? Kind of O and Ming, the right, the old, this is the classic modernization dilemma, you know, hey, I get a dollar 80, but 80% of it goes to maintain this old stuff, which I say, man, this, this O and this, this money, you know, costs are killing me. It's like, right, I know, right. You're, right? Like, but how do I ever free up enough money? That's why something like the TMF that we talked about in the previous segment is, you know, potentially important. It could, could be a nice, a nice catalyst to get, you know, to finally retire some of those uh, really old systems. Um, that aren't delivering the kind of experience that we want and that also aren't, um, you know, that, that, that costs a lot to maintain. Right. So we got a couple minutes left and I, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, you know, you came into GSA in a, what we, I guess we could say is relatively normal times in the sense that we could all get together physically. Right. And you, you reported to work and the employees were there and the organization was, you know, personal in a sense that you've met with people face to face um, right now, like GSA is going through a transition where it's virtual. And I don't think that's been thought about enough, right? We've been a year into the pandemic and a year working virtually. And I think people may you know, lose, are insensitive to it right over that amount of time. But that's a huge challenge to come into an organization or to even and run an organization that's operating virtually. And you're the new you know, person in charge, or you bring in, you know, the, you know, the new political appointees who are trying to do that. That just seems to me to, you know, be a huge challenge. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you, right? I mean, uh, you know, hats off to the current team that's come in there. um, And, you know, from all accounts that I've heard has done a really good job in terms of, you know, getting their arms around where things are and getting to know people. But you're right. What, what a challenge. It helps that some folks have familiarity with GSA, right? I mean, Sonny Hashmi in my old role, right, was at GSA as the CIO. So, you know, he knows the ropes a little bit. Katie Kale is the deputy administrator now, right, was there chief of staff. So she knows it. And obviously, Robin Carnahan is coming in, know, knows it as well, being part of uh, being part of 18F. And D- Dave Z also, right, know, right, know, knows right. it. So that, I think that's obviously a nice leg up for them and that they've been part of the organization before. That said, you know, hey, if you're a Take Sunny, for example, right? Hey, great, you're in charge of 3,500 people now, and you, you know, you haven't met any of them in in person. That, that's a big challenge to do, you know, to do everything over uh, over Google Meet or Zoom or you know whatever Teams, whatever whatever you're using. I think there's so much that happens kind of outside of the formality of a meeting. Right. The little, you know, you get to know people a little bit before the meeting or afterwards, or you, you know, I had some of my best conversations at GSA after a meeting, walking down the hall with a few people after, right. To to talk a little bit about that or, you know, some other issue they wanted to want to talk about. That's harder to get virtually. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I think about travel. I remember when I got there, I said, Oh, we have all these, we have about half the, 
organizations in regions not located in DC. I said, oh good, I wanna, you know, I wanna go out and travel and meet everybody. And I had a goal of, you know, visiting every region uh, at least once a year, you know, which I did while I was there. Well, you know, man, you know, Sonny, right? You, you can't you can't do that now, right? You can't right. get out and physically meet meet those folks. You can do it virtually, but it's never the same in my mind as being on the ground. And I'm sure that team is looking forward to a little bit of normalization and the chance to, you know, connect in person. Right. right. We'll see when that is. <laughs> right. And we, we, you know, Alan, we all are on that, right? Score. So, you know, the next time I have you in the show, I hope it's in person and we go to the studio and, and, uh, and do it. So I want to thank my guest today, Alan Thomas. Alan is the chief operating officer at IntelliBridge. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.